It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today I have a very dear, very old, not old as in years, but old as in we've known each other for like 20 years, friend, long time, <laughs> Jesse Funk. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on Doing Good today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for asking. So Jesse and I go way, way, way back. So after American Idol back in 2004, I recorded a little EP and Jesse, which is so funny because if any of you have heard Jesse, she's an incredible singer. She sang the backups for me for my album. It should have been the other way around because no. it's so incredible. <laughs> yes, for sure. And so this amazing singer sang background vocals on my green album and made me sound so much better. And we recorded it up in Bountiful. We had so much fun together. But now you still sing and mm-hmm. still share your talent, but you are also an adolescent therapist and you work at a residential drug treatment center for teen boys. Yeah. That is incredible, and I want to talk to you a lot about that. Jesse holds a leadership certification from Notre Dame University, a bachelor's degree in psychology, master's in theater, and is now pursuing a doctorate degree in social work. Jesse's been a professional keynote speaker for 16 years, speaking for over 1 million teenagers in high schools, junior high, and leadership conferences all over the country, six-time published author, and your passion is to help teens and 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 help them realize their worth and and their value and how to overcome struggles in their life that they are needed and wanted and loved and you have this amazing instagram it's called dear aunt jesse and you do q and a's where teens can ask is really any question off limits nope no questions off limits and we get some pretty deep questions and that's what i love about it because it's anonymous so it's a safe way to ask questions that is incredible. And you are a vocalist. You've released five solo albums, has toured 36 states with the Broadway musical Footloose. Come on, that's like all-time classic. <laughs> and you've been hired for hundreds of recording sessions as a studio vocalist, including songs heard on America's Got Talent, ESPN, Biggest Loser. And it says, okay, the end of your bio, you've walked away from three record deals unwilling to sell your soul for fame. So when did these record deals come up and what made you think, okay, I, this isn't worth it to me. So the first one when, was when I was 15 and I actually signed that one and I moved to Orlando, Florida when I was 15 years old by myself. And, and it was incredibly educational in that I realized that's not what I want. They they wanted me to be a puppet. And I imagine you could relate to this a lot, Carmen, like just people trying to control you and they have a vision of what they want and what's going to sell and make yes. money. And, yes. and so they project that onto you and yes. it, it takes away your autonomy. And I, I remember even at 15, I was like, this is not good. Like, this is not healthy. I, I have no voice. And I'm not willing to be a puppet. So it was scary in a lot of ways. It it was like, that was kind of the beginning of an eating disorder for me because they put so much pressure on me to be skinny. 
like my manager guy, he would, he would come up and just grab the side of my body, like my love handle. And he'd say, if you don't lose some weight, you're not going to make it. You're way too fat. I can't even imagine that flying. Like, yeah. first of all, man, touching you, right. period. Right. But, but, yes. but commenting <laughs> on your body weight, I mean, yeah. you should no. have done it right back. Like, uh, no, exactly. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it is, it is that mm-hmm. pressure to look perfect, be perfect, sound perfect, act perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so much anxiety. Like I was just always a nervous wreck. I wasn't sleeping well. Like it was just a, it was a mess. And so I knew even at a really young age, I was like, okay, if, if I'm going to try to make it as a singer or try to do something big, I have to have a voice. I have to be able to have some autonomy. And so I got another offer when I was 19 and it was kind of the same thing. So I just saw a lot of the same red flags. So I just kind of walked away from that one. I was like, no, I, I'm not interested in someone else's agenda for my life. Like I get a human being, you know? And then the last one was when I was 28. I was a lot older, but some guy in Branson, Missouri, like (laughs) found some, some videos on YouTube and, and offered it to me. And I, I, at that point I had children and I was married and I, I was really getting into psychology. I had gone back to school for my bachelor's and, and I just said, I don't, there's, it's exciting for sure. And it's glamorous, but you know exactly what I'm what I mean when I say this, Carmen, like when people see singers or performers and we think, Oh my gosh, this is like so glamorous. It's so amazing. They are seeing 2%. Oh, it is. Yes. The stress and the, the overwhelm and the work that it takes to practice and be ready and memorize the words and the stress of it. And yeah, being perfect. And, and I mean, it's just, it's so much that I was like, I don't, I don't want that life. And then there was also no. this moment at, at 28 where I was like, I I think highly of myself, sure. Like I, I, I believe I've got stuff to offer, but I do not think I am God's gift to the universe. So like the whole promotional aspect of it, I hated it. I, hated I hate it too. I hate right? it, hate it, hate it. Yes. Right, exactly. And a lot of people don't believe you. They think you're being all humble and no. modest. No, 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 no. You don't get it. Like to, no. to constantly say, buy my CD and come to my concert and like promote me, 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 me. Like, uh-uh. no, that's a terrible way to live. Like It's it, awful. And it warps your mind because yes. you, it, you, on the one hand, it's like you have to do that to sell yourself and sell things and sell. But then it's, you get in this mindset of like looking at yourself all the time and taking pictures of yourself all the time and seeing posts. And it's like, really, it's, it's unhealthy. Yes. And I hated it too. And that's why I had someone here in Utah that was like, if you are not willing to do that, like you are never going to sell anything. And I'm like, then so be it. Then I won't sell because I, I want people to listen to my music, to be inspired, to love it. And I know that's not possible to just, well, I just want people to find me and like listening to me. It's like, well, they can't find you if you're not out there. Mm -hmm. But I always felt so uncomfortable, like look at me and listen to me and buy my things. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's gross. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's so sweet. I'm like, no, you don't get it. It is not healthy. It isn't. Well, and, and with me, and this was again, like, I mean, this has been 18 years since I was doing these things and, and pursuing a career and, and I was married. I had just gotten married when I signed with my record label and they were like, you have to take your wedding ring off. You can't tell anyone that you're married. You can't, you can't even think about having a family and having children. Like you need to appear. And I, so I asked one time, I said, why do you want me to, to pretend I'm single or why do you want me not 
and they said, we want you to appear available to the radio DJs and the men that are promoting you and, and, and playing your music. Cause they like to flirt with the artists when they come in. And I'm like, are you kidding okay. me? Like <laughs> You want me to flirt with these gross old radio yeah. DJs and I'm not so mean of me to say and, me, and they're not all gross Thank and old but them. a lot of them are yeah and they yeah. like to flirt with the younger girls and they yeah. want to and I said but but it but they know that I'm not going to date them right like they know I'm not available and they're like it doesn't matter they just everyone likes the idea of thinking they could be with someone they see on stage they yeah. like the idea of thinking I could date her yeah. I could be with her so they're like so you need to you need to not even be talking about family thinking. And that for me was my like, yeah, this is, this seems totally wrong. But, but then there, here's the conflict though, is we have this love and passion for music. Right. But, but I love singing and I love being on stage, but the lifestyle it promotes, I don't love. Mm -hmm. So how have you found balance with sharing your talent but not selling your soul. So for me, getting into motivational speaking was like the perfect little recipe for me because I, I sing when I do high school and junior high and leadership conferences and, you know, these assemblies and I'll, I'll I get up there and I do like a, a really fun pop medley with like Jesse J and Ariana Grande. Like it's a song that the kids love. Fun. And so it kind of gets the assembly going. And then yeah. at the end, I usually end with like a Beyonce song. And so I get to incorporate my love of singing, but it's, but it's only this much and that's all I need. I don't feel like I need to do more than that. Yeah. That's like totally sufficient because yes. then I get to teach something and yes. I get really engage with these kids and teach them stuff that is relevant to their lives and tools that they actually need that could prevent. I, I really focus on healthy relationships and I, I really talk about the red flags of toxicity and how to set boundaries. And those are things that kids actually need. So the music is fun and it's entertaining and it certainly plays its role, but I don't, I don't need it. It's just a fun thing that kind of feeds me a little bit. Yes. And, but it's like totally sufficient. So finding that little marriage of being able to incorporate it into my work now as a therapist, that has been perfect for me. So tell us what you talk about when you go around and do motivational talks to youth. What is your main, you, you said it's relationships. You talk about relationships and how to have a good relationship with yourself, with yes. your friends, with your family. Yes. Do you ever get with cute teenagers, sometimes there's things yelled at you on the stage or they're like, bored or they're like messed up an assembly has that been a struggle or do you find that when you really get into it they latch on and they listen and pay attention now they do probably the last I don't know five years I've been doing it like way more full-time like probably two or three speeches outside of the state of Utah every month and so I do it so That's much a lot. like that is a lot yeah like now I've got a pretty good system but yeah there's always like maybe 10% of kids who show up to an assembly and they're like yeah you just try to teach me something miss motivational speaker like you just try it and so of course they're gonna hate it which is fine I was one of those kids and I understand them so so I just kind of let the kids get whatever they're gonna get from it and I don't yeah. I don't I don't take anything personally anymore but I used to yeah there I've totally had kids like say call out negative things or you know heckle me a little bit I, I don't, I've never, it's never bothered me because I, I remember being one of those kids. So that part, that part is fine. Now it's like, if a kid doesn't connect with it, or I don't know, sometimes I, I get like DMs after from kids that are like, this part didn't make sense to me. Like, I love those conversations. Cause then I can push back and say, tell me why, like, what, what about that was like off for you or whatever. Right. And usually we get down to it and there's something going on. And then I'm able to open up a conversation. It's fantastic. 
do you ever do Q and A's live at your speeches? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What has been a question that has that you get most often, and then what what has been one that's like thrown you the most? That's a good question. So in in the speech, I usually I tell the story of when I was 15 and signed the record deal. So I talk about my toxic manager and how he and that did lead to an eating disorder. Grabbing your waist. Yeah, exactly. And then and then I I tell a story of a guy that I dated in in college that was incredibly toxic. It was a whole year and it it was it's it kind of grew in the perfect way so that I can really showcase the red flags of toxic relationships. So it started out with like criticism and then manipulation, controlling behaviors, intimidation, a temper jealousy, possessiveness, and gaslighting. So I can kind of name all of those red flags and show them how it grows. And so we talk about that. And then I make sure that it's crystal clear that I'm talking about every kind of relationship. So it's, it could be your very best friend. It could be an adult. It could be your family. It could be your significant other. It could be yourself. And so like, you know, it, it, it's every kind of relationship. And so usually afterward, or if we're doing a Q and a kids will ask me, they'll say, yeah, I've got a and uncle, or I have a, it's my brother, or it's, it is my best friend or my boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. So they'll, they'll ask questions. How do I, how do I navigate it? How do I set the boundary? How do I, cause I, I love this person. I care about this person. I don't want well, to. And it's hard. Like sometimes, and sorry to interrupt you, but just along that line to have like, sometimes for a teenager to talk to an adult, it's like, I'm I'm supposed to respect you and, and I do and look up to you. So sometimes it's hard to like even say something like, am I allowed to say this? Am I allowed to tell you, hey, I'm uncomfortable by this or I don't want to talk about that to an adult. Like that's exactly. tricky for teens to do. Yeah. yeah, which is so fantastic. I'd probably say that's the that's the most common question. How do I set boundaries in a respectful way to the adults in my life, especially parents? That's probably the most common question. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So So what do you tell them? How, what, what is your answer? I am a huge advocate for kids being able to speak their truth. So I, I absolutely say you sit your parents down and you say, I love you. I appreciate you in so many ways. This behavior that I'm seeing makes me feel this way. So using an I statement and just saying, I feel, I feel uncomfortable. I feel disrespected. I feel like, I feel like I'm not listened to. So always put it on you because no one can ever argue with how you feel. And you say, I, I'd like to fix this because I love you because I respect you as my parents. I'd like to fix it because that shows real leadership. That's incredibly difficult for a kid to do. And yeah. then, and then, you know, some, some kids will push back and they'll say, I've tried that. And my parents don't listen. And I say, at that point, you are absolutely allowed to ask for outside help because a lot of parents don't know how to parent. That's just a fact. And so I send a lot of kids to an, an, an anonymous um, online resource called sevencups.com. And they, they have intervention programs where they, they will get on the phone with a parent and a kid and kind of be a mediator. And sometimes kids need that kind of support or a counselor at the school even. And I say, it's okay to do that because way too many kids are getting abused. Way too many kids are being neglected. So they absolutely have the right to advocate for what they need, even if their parents don't listen. So is this mostly in abusive situations, situations where it's it's an extreme? Because if a kid's like, I feel like you don't respect me playing video games eight hours a day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, mm, I feel like this is not the best thing for you. I'm the parent. Like at what point can a parent exercise their authority as this is not healthy for you? And I understand where you're coming from, but mm -hmm. I also have a responsibility mm -hmm. to teach you and 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 raise you. So it what do you tell the parents or, or, or at what point are you like, yeah, but you can't ask your parent to let you 
sleep at your friend's house every night during the school year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I, I'm, I love calling kids out on that kind of stuff. Like they'll say, you know, my, my, um, my mom pushes me too hard. She pushes me too hard. She wants me to, you know, take all these AP classes and wants me to do a whole bunch of crazy things. And I'm, and I'll always say, is that, is that her? Like, do you think she's coming from a place of love or do you think she's like, is she out of bounds? Cause that's a parent's job. Like the parent right. is supposed to push and expect greatness from their kids. So, yes. so yes, this, I, I'm really, really specific that like, you know, if, if a kid is going to say I'm getting bullied, I say, what does that mean? Cause you can't just say like one person says one mean thing and you're getting bullied. Like if you're being abused at home, it has to be, there has to be like some really specific criteria for that. Same with bullying, same with neglect. So we have to give parents room to absolutely be the parents. And yes. We have their rights and then kids have their rights as well. So every situation is different. So many complexities. That's why I'm such a huge fan of therapy in general, because then we can really just hone in on one individual situation and understand those complexities. Do you feel like there's there are bigger and news for teenagers nowadays than when you and I were growing up or do you just feel like it's it's talked about more like it's now becoming more normal to talk about you know mental illness and 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 suicide and and LGBTQ issues or do you feel like we just didn't talk about them as much or do you feel like it's so much more complicated and intense and magnified now I feel like we just didn't talk about it I honestly truly think we are making so much progress in our society because we're having mental health assemblies we're having anti-bullying assemblies we're we're talking yes. more about LGBT issues I I I don't feel like it's worse I truly just feel like we're talking about it more because these conversations are so great and I still I still run into a lot of principals who you know they'll say we want you to come and speak at our school but are you going to talk about suicide because I don't think you should talk about it because if we talk about it then and it gives kids ideas. And that is very, very, no, that is old fashioned with yeah. anything, with drugs, with pornography, with premarital yeah. sex, with anything. It's like, no, we, we have to talk about those things to help them know what to do. Exactly. And once we talk about it, it really gives a lot of kids permission to, to not shame themselves, which only perpetuates the negative behavior you know, and it helps them heal. It helps them process. It helps them understand it. And if they have that support, the research absolutely shows that the the negative behavior goes, or it's at least decreased. It doesn't go away, but it's it's decreased if kids have the right supports. And talking about it is the first way to do that. So yeah, we have to talk about these things. We just have to. So besides doing motivational speaking and you talking about these things and, and giving teens resources and, and tools to be able to open up and share what they're going through. You also have an incredible retreat. It's called Ivy Ranch. Can you tell us a little bit about what this is? This has kind of been your dream for years to have a place for teens to go mm -hmm. and just be themselves, be motivated, be loved. And you have one coming up actually pretty soon. You, I want I want you to talk a little bit about what that is and why you had this dream. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we have a, a camp coming up in a couple of weeks. We have a couple spots open. So if anyone wants to jump in and grab one, you can go to ivyranch.org. Um, 
just had one two weeks ago and it was incredible. Like just really, really beautiful. Yeah, it is my biggest dream because I was a, I just struggled so much as a teenager myself. I mentioned the eating disorder, but I also, my parents divorced when I was 13. I had just these major body image issues, just feeling so ridiculously insecure and then I was bullied by a former best friend, like legit bullying. We, we talked about this, like it had to be legit. It was targeted, premeditated and repetitive. Like she was my former best friend. So that betrayal in there and like, and it was real, like physical bullying, but also relational aggression, you know, the mean girl behavior, like gossip, rumors, isolation, manipulation, and exclusion, but also a lot of physical stuff. They would punch me in the arm as I walked down the hall, pull my hair. One girl grabbed the back of my backpack and yanked me backwards. And I hit my head so hard. I actually passed out. And then oh. my grand finale of my eighth grade year, getting my head shoved in a locker room toilet. Like it was legit bullying. And yes. I just know, I know it was terrible. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And we didn't have anti-bullying assemblies back then. No, no, no. I just shamed myself. And I said, there's something wrong with me. I internalized it. And because of that, I needed a way to numb. And when kids go into cutting or eating disorders or drugs and alcohol, or even suicidal ideation, they're trying to numb yeah. They, they do those things because it does feel better. It does. So we have to teach them better coping skills. My drug of choice was bullying. In order to deal with the bullying, I turned around and became the biggest came one. I imagine. Yeah. I was awful. And I got suspended from school four times because of it. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I was terrible no. to my peers, to my teachers, to my family. Is this junior high age or high school? Yeah, it was just seventh and eighth grade and just middle school because my amazing principal, who's just one of the best, most fantastic heroes of my life, end of eighth grade, he he said he was supposed to suspend me a fifth time. And he said, okay, suspension's not working for you. Obviously, you just come back to school and you're even more angry. Um, and he's like, we're going to try something else. And he sent me to a camp and it was a week long camp. And and the biggest piece of it was they put me in a leadership position because it was a camp for sixth graders. It was only in Provo School District. So it was for all the sixth graders. And I was the only eighth grader there. And they put me into a leadership position. They gave me this megaphone and, and just said, we just want you to be in charge of like getting the kids to rotate activities. And and I freaking loved that megaphone, like loved it. And I, I it, it gave me an opportunity to rewrite my story because I yeah. truly, truly believed there was something wrong with me. I thought I was bad. I thought I was a bully. I thought I was a brat. And I definitely thought I was unlovable because my best friend betrayed me. And so right. being in a leadership position gave me the opportunity to rewrite my story. And I thought, I remember having this thought in my head, maybe I'm not a brat. Maybe I'm a leader and I'm just using my leadership skills in really bad ways. So I went back to that camp multiple summers as a counselor. And it's absolutely the reason I chose to be a therapist. So like that experience was like the hallmark version of changing a kid's life. It was amazing. So I'm trying that to pay amazing. forward what my principal gave me by doing these camps now. And so I let the kids run it. I put my counselors in charge, the adults, we really don't do much. We, we talk here and there, but like we let the kids run it. They are problem solving. They are mentoring, they're teaching. And it's so incredible to see them step into that role. They yes. love to mentor. They love to share their stories. And then the magical part about it is that the, the kids that are doing the mentoring they have such a huge impact on the younger kids who are watching them. They, the younger kids care a lot about what the adults say, but way more about what the other teenagers say. Oh, yeah, so for sure. It's, it's incredible to watch what, how magical leadership is. I firmly believe that our biggest weaknesses can be our greatest strengths. Mm -hmm. I, I totally believe that. I have a son that is 
loud and passionate and wild, but he's also the most driven, dedicated, hardworking kid. Mm -hmm. It can be to his detriment if he's gets mad and frustrated and gets aggressive, or it can be put all that into making something happen and then he soars. So mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you shared that, that kids that think oh, I'm so bad at this, I'm so bad at this, but could it actually be that you just don't know how to harness that and turn it into something good? Like with your bullying, mm -hmm. it was, no, actually this means I'm a really great leader. I can take control of the situation. I can make people feel things and emotions. So how can I use this for good? And you were able to figure that out away with your sweet principal. I think it's so amazing that he was able to see potential in you and able to take a chance on this one girl's life and change the trajectory of your life instead of you're a lost cause. I don't want to deal with it. Like I'm going to expel you or send you mm -hmm. to another school. And because of this little life that he, big life that he changed, now you are doing the same for literally thousands of others. It just goes to show that every person can make a, a big difference. And e any person can help make this world a better place. And and we should be doing that. Yeah. Yes. So yes, exactly. what do you think, how, what would you say to teenagers that are like, well, how do I find out how, what my strengths are? How, how can I really make a positive influence in this world? How do I even get started knowing what to do? I love that question for a lot of kids ask me that. And, and I think it really starts with celebrating the parts of your story that you think other people won't care about. You think it's a small, you think it might be weird, like acknowledge your story. Cause a lot of kids are like, I don't have a story. There's nothing interesting about me. There's nothing like cool about me. And I'm like, that is bull crap. And I will push back instantly. <laughs> you have so much to offer and you have had experiences. You have learned things in your life that's part of your story. So even if it's, even if it's messy, even if it's a little ugly, even if it's like maybe weird, like acknowledge the parts of your story that make you, you kids need to know that they, that they can celebrate that, that individuality because, because teenagers are wired in their brains, in their, their stage of development to be hyper-focused on fitting in. We know this. Yes. Yeah. Like they're obsessed with it. They have to fit in. Um, and they're doing that out of survival. They're doing that out of safety. And so if we can help them to know that they're going to be, they're going to be okay. You're like, yeah, it's going to be awkward. It might be a little weird to stand out a little bit, but there's no other way to, 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 to figure out who you are and what you like and what you can offer other than exploring the parts that make you, you, and that are, that are individualistic. So I, there's so many kids that I think get stuck there and they need to know, they need to celebrate their individuality. I love that. And and I agree with you that we each do have something to offer. Everyone is unique. Everyone is different. There's there's a quote, and I don't know who is it, but it's like, you can only be you because everyone else is taken or something. And I love that quote. Like, everyone else is taken. So you just have to be who you are. And I think you are doing a wonderful job at helping teens realize their worth and their value and their strengths. So tell us again where people can go if they want those last two spots at Ivy Ranch or what have you got coming up in the future that teens can look into or sign up for or or tell us the website again where teens can go to maybe get help speaking up for themselves if they feel like they're in an uncomfortable or abusive situation at home. 
Yeah. Um, so you can go to ivyranch.org. That's where the camps are going to be located. And then I mostly just do everything through Instagram and TikTok. So you can follow me on both of those platforms at Dear Aunt Jessie. And I, I do talk to a lot of kids just through DMs and just make sure that they have the resources that they need. I do offer private therapy. I'm not expe- accepting any clients right this minute, but that is something that I offer. So I do have a waiting list for that. And then we don't have any events coming up because I'm starting to shift a little bit. I'm going to add, I'm going to expand what I'm focusing on and I'm getting into human trafficking prevention. So I'm going to have some events coming up for that, hopefully really, really soon where we can take leadership and be teaching leadership, but also incorporating that element. So I'm kind of excited about that. That is amazing. Are you working with OUR or any other organization for that? Yeah, I'm working with the Maloof Foundation. They have a, a an amazing website that is completely dedicated to human trafficking. And if anyone wants information about it, you want to learn about it, I highly recommend going to a website called IamOnWatch.org. And it's a free training. It is absolutely incredible. It'll teach you everything you need to know. It's for adults also. Kids would love it too, but it's incredible. IamOnWatch.org. I am on a watch.org. Okay. Jesse, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today and mm-hmm. for all the good you're doing in these teen lives and helping them recognize that there is always something to live for, to look forward to, that they are loved and needed and wanted. And truly anyone can change the world by doing a little bit of good. Oh, that means so much, Carmen. I just adore you. I think you are incredible. And I have just mad respect for what you're doing. Also. I'm so glad we're friends. I think you're really amazing. Me too. I think you're amazing too. And I love you. Thanks for coming on, Jess. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.